The Lucky 10,000 Season 4 with your host, Evan. This season, badass women from history. Hey guys, this is Evan, and welcome to Season 4 of The Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than reconnecting with a friend and former co-host about someone you know absolutely nothing about. And we'll get to why that's important in a second, but first I want to thank Podbean and Stitcher for hosting us. If you want to get in contact with us for anything, if it's a correction or just a comment, you want to tell us you like the show, hate the show, whatever, it's Lucky10,000 at Gmail. Our Twitter is at Lucky underscore 10K. And the song you heard at the beginning of the episode was Let's Not Lose Our Heads by Venus Invictus. You will hear the entire song after the episode ends proper. And today is a very special episode. You know what? They're all special episodes. But one of the reasons I'm excited about this is because one of my favorite things about this podcast and the seasons that we have done so far, especially this one, is we have such a good mix of people you've heard of that you can learn a little bit more about and people that you haven't heard of, but it it always matters what the guest wants to talk about because they're people that inspired them. So today, I have my co-host from Season 2 of The Lucky 10,000 on astrophysics. Speaking of which, I'm going to ask her when I introduce her if she saw that picture of the black hole. And we can talk about that for a minute, but then we'll get into her subject. Emily Grove, so glad to have you back. Hi, Evan. Hi. So did you see the Hi. picture of the black hole? Uh, I did. I was Isn't very confused, but I was very amazed. Yeah, and in perfect tandem with this podcast being about badass women of history, it was like a, what, 29-year-old female astrophysicist that found it? Badass doctor yeah. of, of physics who found it. And, of course, immediately people started making funny memes with it. Are, are they funny memes or bad memes? I, I guess it depends on your point of view, but somebody hmm. did the whole, like, you know how you... You have your index finger and your thumb in a circle and you got your other fingers out and somebody, yeah, that thing. Yeah. Uh, somebody like instantly did that with it. And then other people like, like put the okay glasses sign. On it. Yeah. Yeah. I see. And you know, if you look yeah. in the hole, they get to punch you or whatever. I can't Aww. remember what it is. But anyway, I thought it was a fascinating, uh, picture and it's so cool to get so much of that science confirmed. Yeah. Black holes exist, Evan. And it's massive. We can see it now. Yeah. And it's amazing. And like just the yeah. idea that that ring around it is all this light that's being distorted and sucked into it. And it's, it's a wormhole. So cool. And it's a wormhole. Who knows what's on the other side? The Our parallel universes. Could be another you and another me having this conversation, except I'm in a cool little apartment in whatever state you're in now. Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Evan. Texas. Oh, I thought you went somewhere else. I'm sorry. I got you confused with Carissa because she moved from Dallas to somewhere else. That's so funny. Carissa an and I actually are the same person. We just didn't want to let you know. Shh, 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 shh. I don't want the audience to know either. But I'm bum, really excited. Oh, I missed that. But uh, you brought someone to the table. Well, you were definitely one of the people I wanted back on the podcast. And I asked all the guests who inspires them or what women they want to talk about. 
And I've got a great mix of, of people earlier in the season. We did Harriet Tubman with Jason Underwood. <gasps> we did Phyllis Wheatley with Brian Reeder. We did Sweet. Queen Elizabeth the second with Teddy. I mean, the first with Teddy and the Baseman. And obviously all these people are well known, well respected, but there's, there's never enough to learn about them. You can always learn something new, it's but true. you brought someone to me just like Carissa did whom I had never heard of before. And it's also a really special uh, reason that you're bringing her to the show. So, hey, tell the audience the name of this person. Yes. Uh, I uh, wanted to talk about someone who actually I didn't know a lot about. Yeah. Um, and her name is Tracy Norman. She was uh, essentially the, the first, I guess the first, person that we know about but the first trans uh black model woman in uh i guess american and maybe all of history That's but amazing. yeah she, she um is a pretty awesome person and she's a model she's a model yeah and so what can you tell me about her? Did you do like a biography about I her? I did like a whole thing, Evan. You Great. should expect nothing less from me. I, that, um, that's why I didn't do any research this I time. I know. You're so cute. So um, where was she born? She was born in Newark, New Jersey. Um, and she, in interviews, she had said like around the age of five, she realized that like stuff didn't feel right with her. Right. A lot of, a lot of trans folks will like use um, the phrase like in the wrong body, yes. which I think is like, you know, the, you can describe your experiences however you need to. Like, that's Absolutely. awesome, but not all trans people like have that experience. But right. There's no one is... label for anything as far as sexuality is concerned. Right. But you know, science actually recently has confirmed based on brain patterns mm -hmm. that people that are trans, their brain patterns identify with the gender they feel they are, not right. the gender they are physically. Yeah. And, and, you know, gender being a spectrum. So there's yes. no, you know, it's not necessarily a binary. But right. in this case, in Tracy's case, um, she just felt like, um, she, things were just like off with mm -hmm. her and didn't, didn't quite know what was going on. And of course she didn't have it. This was in, um, she, I guess she was born in the fifties. So wow. she didn't really have a lot of. So she's not a recent model. Yeah. She was big in the seventies. Wow. Yeah, can you believe it? No, I can't um, believe I've never heard of her. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, there's so there's so much that we yeah, in in researching her, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing." Yeah. Um and that the you know, she's recently had a resurgence um just, you know, with her career in like 2016. Um she is is coming is resurfacing in the modeling world. Um but yeah, it was it was so interesting. But she basically um, when she graduated, she, her father wasn't super supportive, was always like, no, we got to like do manly things with you. Yeah. And, um, her mom was all also was very, you know, uh, on the fence, but more supportive than her father was. Sure. But on the day of her high school graduation, she just like told her mother, listen, this is who I am. This is how I want to operate in the world. And, um, her mother just like gave her a big hug and said that she had known, all along and that she was just waiting for Tracy to come to her um, with the info. So she just yeah, you know, realized people yeah. think about the Northeast as a very liberal progressive area, especially now because New York is such a technically politically progressive air area. Yeah. But there's so much, there's so much tradition and, 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 and family stuff that goes back generations in New York, yeah. especially back then where there's still this issue of we're progressive to a point. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think especially like in the sixties, yeah. like that was a, di- I mean, a difficult time. And I mean, I can understand like parents not wanting, uh, bad things for their Absolutely. kids, but I also understand like, you know, parents, I just was listening to Tignataro actually talking about how like her relationship with her stepfather and how, um, he said it's the, it's not the parents job to tell the kids who they should be. It's the right. parents jobs to listen to who the children say they are. Right. Um, and this is a great example of like mom being like, cool, you're telling yeah. me who you Which are. Which is very cool so, for that era too, because trans yeah. was not nearly as normalized as it is now. Yeah. I mean, it's still yeah. got a long way to go, but yeah, it's not. And I hate to compare this, but I mean, there would, there would be enough of an issue back then if your child told you they were gay. Yeah. And now to say, not only am I not what you see, but I'm a completely different gender. Yeah. That I'm sure that blew their minds at the time because yeah. people didn't talk about that shit. On yeah. TV. And that's why I kind of preface this with like, this is, she, she's the first, like, at least like trans model that we know of. Right. Because like, there's a lot of folks, I'm sure, who were passing beforehand or, oh, yeah. you know, we're just like living closeted lives as mm-hmm. models. And it's just, um, yeah. So I'm sure we don't there was know. probably some sort of underground community that was yeah. kink friendly, trans friendly, whatever. Yeah. But it wasn't mainstream. And this person went mainstream is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty dangerous at the time because I guess there was like a law that said that if there was someone who was dressed not as their perceived gender presentation, mm-hmm. they could be uh, incarcerated. They could be arrested. Wow. Um, I guess like on the books. In so York, even a transvestite. Yeah, even like transvestites, not just like transgender folk. Right. Um, so that was dangerous. So she was always, um, like would go out at night. Her father had like an, a late evening job. So she would be able mm-hmm. to like hang out with friends as she was like in the right. evening. And then she ran into a friend who went to her high school and, um, she had this like beautiful ponytail and was like this beautiful woman. And she was just like, wow, I have never known you as a woman. Um, how did this happen? Because I'm, I'm feeling the same way. So it was a male friend from high school. She reencounters him, her as a female. Correct. Yeah. She's this, just like, this she didn't even know this was who, a thing. Who Tracy, they had both like grown up knowing each mm-hmm. other, like presenting as male. Mm-hmm. And, um, then like Tracy met her as as a woman and was like oh my gosh this is amazing let's wow. let's talk about it and so she um kind of helped her understand like about there was like a hormone um replacement therapy there was a uh-huh. doctor in Newark New Jersey that was very under the table that would like help with that um and yeah like probably about a year after she graduated high school she felt safe to be able to be passing in the mm-hmm. daytime. Um, and she said, like, there's some quotes I got. A lot of my information I got, by the way, is from uh, the New York Magazine, their digital um, okay, cool. version, I guess, of the New York Magazine. It's called The Cut. They had this big interview with her in December of 2015. So a lot awesome. of my info comes from that. A couple interviews with her that I've seen um, online. So I would definitely suggest people going to The Cut. It's very beautifully written. Sure. Um, and We'll post it, a link. Yeah. Oh, let's do it. And it, uh, you have the technology. Um, so yeah, she just said that she always felt, um, 
that she was a daytime girl, like being mm. in the sun and walking around the street. So it just like was this huge transition from her from being able to like sneak around at night to right. be able to like, I'm going to fully be myself, like now, wear dresses in the daytime because I feel like I can pass and I'm, I'm safe enough to. There's obviously two different levels of, of, of uh, transgender. There's the pre-op, there's the post-op, there's the people that don't necessarily have their genitalia changed or removed or just, you know, add breasts or whatever. Yeah. What, what was she? Um, I, well, I think that she was doing hormone replacement, Uh um, therapy. And so that was, um, where she was living. But I mean, she was uh, clearly felt safe enough to pass as a, as a cis woman. Right. Um, after probably about a year of doing that, she started, it was so, it's so interesting. She started, uh, her friend told her about just like taking the first three rows of birth control pills and Mm -hmm. skipping, the last, the last row, like where you, the uh, woman, a cis woman would get her period and right. just like moving to the next one. So it was, um, interesting. That was interesting that. how, like, that's how she started. Um, yeah, the, her, remind her me again. hormone transition. Her, her name is, uh, I'm bad with names. Remind me what her name is again. I want to look her up real Tra- quick. Tracy Norman Tracy is our friend's name. Awesome. Keep You're talking. Sorry. This. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, and so the, the way that she got discovered as a model was really funny and awesome to me. Um, so it was yeah, around 1975. Yeah, she's beautiful. Um, it was around 1975. Um, she was on her way just to see a fashion show. Um, she was really interested in fashion. So she would go see a lot of shows. This is a lot, a lot of her work. She just like sees stuff and then she's mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I have to do it. Um, but she like was getting out of the subway and was near a hotel in New York. And she noticed a bunch of black women, of black models who she recognized from shows and from magazines. Um, she noticed a lot of them were like standing outside of this hotel. And so she was just like kind of started stalking them. Like she waited until they went back inside and was like, I wonder what they're doing. And she said that something in her mind just kept saying, follow them, like just like see where they're going. And so she like went uh, like up into an elevator on like into a room and she made sure she was the last woman in line and she saw that they were doing interviews. And so she was like the last one of the last interviews of the day. And they asked her like her name, phone number and agency. Oh, my God. She totally clandestined it. Yeah. She just like snuck in. She had no agency. And she was just like, um, I don't have one. And they said, OK, great. Just like, you know, wait for a phone call. And she got a phone call, I think, the next day that said you're booked for an Italian Vogue. No way. That will pay like one thousand dollars. And they had no idea she was trans. And they had no idea she was trans and they were just like, you're booked. And she, they, so they not only like took a chance on this like unknown model, right. but like unbeknownst to them, like she wasn't gave, even supposed to be there, <laughs> gave this like, yeah, she was not supposed to be there, but they gave this like trans woman this huge opportunity to be on, in like an Italian Vogue photo shoot. It's so funny. You know, we're, we're rehearsing Catch yeah. Me If You Can right now. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing that there was a time where you could just, I mean, Frank Abagnale got into so many of the situations he got into just yeah. by, seeming self-assured and confident and making people think that he was in the right place at the right time and knew why he was there. Confidence will get you places. Man, it really will. Yeah. And it was cool because she like knew enough about the modeling world to even recognize that these women were models and was like, wow, like I'm interested in this. I see who these people are. I'm going to follow them. Yeah. And there was definitely (laughs) a, a, a definitive type model style, especially in the seventies where, you know, you can be an attractive person, but you can, you can usually tell 
when someone's an attractive person, like an actor or a dancer or something, and when they're a model. Yeah. <laughs> there's an yeah. air, or there's a way like, they there's walk, there's a body about- type. Yeah. These, these are model folk. Yes. Um, yeah. So that was really cool. And so she, she got booked with an agent through that same, um, shoot. So the photographer basically like, you know, after the second or I guess after the shoot, um, the, that next day or whatever it was like, Hey, um, you know, re- Hey, really great working with you. Like, congratulations on your career. And she was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he was like, well, we're, we're going to submit you to an agency. Um, and if you can like, and it's so funny, like he, he said, like, quote, um, they're going to put you on a diet. And if you go on that diet and lose weight, you can make a lot of money. No like, way. That's what the photographer said to her. And um, at this point, still having no idea. She hasn't told anyone. No. Wow. Yeah. And so a week later, she was uh, signed with the Zoli agency, um, which is run by a Hungarian designer named Zoltan Rendesi, which I'm sure some of your listeners will be like, Oh my God, that's amazing. But I, Oh yeah, no, know I know that about, name. I know that guy. I know nothing about fashion. It's so he, funny. I'm pretty Do- sure he was one of Flash Gordon's villains. Oh yeah. Zoltan. Yeah. Our old buddy. Yeah. <laughs> my good friend. Um, shout out binge mode. Um, so <laughs> there is, uh, Yes, 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 yes. So, uh, yeah, I knew nothing about photographers or different um, modeling agencies, so I'm yeah. sure that this was a huge deal, but it means not a lot to me. No, I've never really cared about modeling either, but... Or do you? Or do... I do now. You do now. I know, I do too. I'm just like, I love this. Hey, guys, this is Evan. Hey, Jason Underwood. And if you're enjoying listening to The Lucky 10,000, then come on over to a podcast where nobody's ever getting lucky, ever. Here on The Lucky 10,000, you're here to learn, but with the bearded ones, we're here to make you laugh. And and maybe you'll learn something while you're laughing. Yeah, learn something, like, about Batman. <laughs> I mean, for we were on a stint of Matlock for a while. I, it was funny to me. Not the, hey, I mean, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that's not how you sell it. Come anything. on over, listen to the one podcast, I guess. I yeah, mean, I, I like it. I'd be a shit salesman. <laughs> um, Come buy this car. I mean, I drove it once. Yeah, probably would, you probably wouldn't like yeah, it. You don't want to, <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah, want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Fuck this. Don't listen to Bearded One. <laughs> Come on, check us out. Bearded One's comedy podcast on the Bearded Pods Network. I knew that. I didn't know that. Well, that's why we're here, listening to the Lucky 10,000. You learn something new with every episode. And while you're here at the Bearded Pods Network, you might want to come and give us some pod love. We're Teddy and the Bassman. We cover all sorts of subjects, speak with tons of interesting guests, and entertain you with a melange of vintage commercials and jingles, and a whole plethora of eclectic music. You might even learn something from us as well. It'll probably be about bondage, but... Teddy and the Baseman! Um, so basically, she was just getting sent all around the country. She was, like, on her first airplane trips. She was, like, all doing catalog shoots. Like, her career was taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, and Essence Magazine was hire- hiring her for a beauty shoot. Um... And then she, this is the cool, the coolest part. She was sent to Clairol for their Born Beautiful line. So this is again, like mid seventies. Um, and she was the cover of the dark auburn box number mm. 512, which was their most popular color. Oh yeah. No, I know all about auburn box 512. You know all about it, but this was, yeah, this was like, um, like she, she in an interview, she was just saying that about how there were thousands of 
women, like Clairol customers were emulating the look Wow. And the beauty of this transgender That's woman so funny. And had no idea, right? Yeah. Like they were just like, wow, this woman is beautiful. I mm-hmm. want to be like her. I want that hair. Like That's the other thing too, yeah. just about the way people perceive genders and sexualities. You know, I've, I've heard people say like, oh, I can always identify a gay person, for example, because, you know, they're the guys that are kind of effeminate. And I'm like, well, the only reason you think you can identify gay people that way is because you have seen the people that are out and act a certain way. You yeah. have no idea that you know people who are gay who don't act like that at all. Yeah. And, and they're it's the same yeah. with trans. Everybody thinks they can, you know, everybody thinks they can easily identify, yeah. you know, who certain people are. And I think there are people out there that just prove that it's all shapes and sizes. Yeah. And, and it's so, it's so great when you, have someone because I, I I assure you there were some fans of hers that were transphobic. I, I guarantee. Oh yeah, it. yeah. And I mean, and I think, um, yeah, passing or non-passing or whatever. Like it was great that she could pass. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that it's. Um, she says. Um, that she. Let me see if I can pull it up. My, I, I can't come up with a quote exactly right now. I have it later. But that. Um, she was like when I went through the door, I left it. Like anytime that anyone is the first to do something, they go through the door, but leave it open a crack mm-hmm. for the people that come in behind them. Um, and so that's kind of how she envisioned her career. So I think it's great that like we can have like non-passing trans models, you Absolutely. know, that, you know, or whoever, like people are just able to be themselves now. But yeah. it's so great that she was able to just be like, hey, I'm here. Hey, Claire, all like put me on your box. Well, it's it's amazing that the stepping stones that every sort of cultural revolution takes. I remember yeah. uh, who was it that played uh, Mammy in uh, Gone with the Wind? I can't remember her name, but I know who you're talking about. She started getting a lot of backlash for playing that part. It yeah. was like, I'd rather play a slave than be a slave. And yeah. when you look back at it, like, of course, now in this sort of modern, it seems appalling. But yeah. at the same time, without people taking that first step, yeah. without people doing that thing, you don't get everyone that comes after them. Yeah, it's it can be baby steps sometimes, right? Yes. It can be just like, okay, cool, we're going to like first get in the movies and then we're going to be uh you know not just props in the movie we're going to start being like actual characters then we're going to start you know and how to just move forward um that way and sometimes baby steps are the way that you have to go also that way of ingratiating yourself where you know it's the same thing that happened with the civil rights movement it's the same thing that happened with gay people being able to be more out is that all of a sudden now people know them yeah. And they can't just label them by their sexuality or their race. Yeah. You know, you, kids now have gone to school with kids of all ethnicities for their whole lives so they can look at them as people. So yeah. when all these people realize that this person they've been admiring for years is not who they thought they were. Yeah. Or at least perceive them as not who they thought they were. That's a great way of saying, yeah, guess what? The thing you thought about these people is completely wrong because now you know one of us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's amazing. It is amazing. Um, she, and, and it is, uh, really, it was really tricky for her also. Like, I, I think about this, like, uh, intersection of her not only being trans, but also being a woman of color. Mm -hmm. Um, just like the opportunities that that, um, was not afforded to models in the Mm seventies either. Um, so I think that that was, um, was really, important it's important yes. to like remember that too this like beautiful intersection um so but every, when, mm-hmm, sorry yeah. go ahead i was just gonna say every day she was um um she she would pray every morning that like 
she didn't that like please god let today not be the day yeah people find out yeah um and she was eventually outed um there was a holiday issue shoot for Essence magazine around like 1980, like early okay. 1980s. Um, there was a hairdresser. She'd been doing this for like a decade. She had, yeah, she was like rocking and rolling. Um, and so a hairdresser was like talking with her beforehand, um, for I think it was a couple day shoot, but was just, um, asking her things like, oh, don't I know you from New Jersey? Don't you know this person? Oh, no. Don't you know this person? And she was just like, no, I don't know him. Even though like he was her best friend and like, right. oh no, I don't know who this person is. Like just to try to like throw him off. Cause she mm-hmm. like felt like something weird. It was like a hairdresser assistant. Mm-hmm. And, um, apparently during that shoot with essence, he was, he spoke to the editor and, um, the editor of the magazine stopped the shoot and was oh, like, no. I think we're good. And, um, uh, yeah, so that was just like really devastating for her. She was like, I knew she knew like as soon as the hairdresser came into the, the photo shoot area that like something negative was going on, the way that he was talking with her and she was like losing her concentration. And, um, she said that like the editor was really nice to her about it, but mm-hmm. she could tell that like the way that she looked at her mm-hmm. was just like, she like looked at me in a different way and yes. it was like, Oh God. Which is almost worse than being mean and confrontational. Right? It's that whole like backstabby, you know, I'm going to be, it's the, uh, I'm going to be sweet to you, but the steps I'm about to take are going to be devastating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, it's rough. And, um, yeah, so she said that she called her agency the next day, and they were like, "Oh, we don't have any work for you." Oh. Um, and she, they said, "Oh, it's um, it's because you're size six. We need to get you right. down to a size four. So she called back in two weeks uh, when she was back down to a size four, and mm-hmm. they were like, mm, "Yeah, we still don't have any work for you." So basically, like the very next day, just worked right up for her. Um, and she said in that interview that she was just so upset about it because it was people and her community that did this to her. Mm-hmm. Like she felt like the black community and the gay community were just like not accepting of her. You know? Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen that before in my own life. Um, yeah. I've seen people come out as bi and had the gay community, uh, some, not all, but some right, of their of friends in the gay community, not necessarily turn their back on them, but yeah. they weren't very receptive. Yeah. And I think there's this idea that there's only one group of people who can be capable of being narrow-minded or, or angry or, right. or not understanding. And it really is, unfortunately, a human condition. Yeah. So, like, she's, yeah, she's, like, there at this intersection of, like, being trans and black and feeling like she doesn't belong in the black community, not right. feeling that she belongs in the gay community, and, like, the trans community just being so like we were talking about, like invisible or like mm-hmm. not really visible at that time. It's like, okay, what do I do? Um, but she just always felt, you know, good about that work that she did to get into the door. Um, but she just had a lot of depression after that, her loss of work. Um, she like other models would come up to her and misgender her after mm-hmm. this like outing. Cause like word spread obviously. And so she was just like, couldn't handle it. She moved to Paris. Um, and was booking modeling jobs there and at the Balenciaga showroom, which I think is also a big deal, but I don't mm-hmm. know much about that, but here we are. Um, and she said 
Yeah, this is a quote from her. When I worked for the Balenciaga showroom, that's when all of my insecurities and, and inhibitions stopped. Um, she was amazed at what she saw in the mirror. The person I was looking at was so beautiful, made up, hair done in a beautiful billion dollar gown. I just felt fabulous, fabulous. My confidence grew from that moment on. Um, so she, she loved being in Paris and, um, getting work. It was hard. Um, she, like, she and her friends shared this, like, tiny studio apartment and ate, like, one, like, would splurge on a Pepsi, like, one Pepsi between them at the end of the night, um, because they were just, like, hungry. I was like, oh gosh. Um, so yeah, it was a rough time, but then she did eventually move back to Newark, um, after I think just a couple years, cause she was thinking about going to Milan, but then she just decided to come back to America. I think her grandparents and her mother started, um, their health started failing. So mm-hmm. she decided to come back home. Um, and that's when she started becoming involved in the drag ball community mm-hmm. in New York city. Um, she became a member of not the, the dragon ball, community. not the dragon ball, not dragon okay. ball Z, not dragon ball Z. drag okay. ball. Although a dragon ball Z character in drag would be amazing. That would be great. Let's do it. I don't know anything again about the Dragon Ball Z characters, but I can imagine. I, I know what they look like. Like little Pokemon people in drag. Yeah, you know, they're the typical anime spiky hair. Anime spiky know. hair. Okay, yeah. I got it. Not Pikachu, though. No, 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 no. They're actual people in Dragon Ball Z. See, I know all the things. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but she was a member of the House of Africa, which is one awesome. of the teams that competed against other houses in the balls. And became kind of like the mother figure for that house and would teach other, um, the other like drag folk, like how to use her modeling skills. She would like teach them how to walk because before, I guess it was just like, um, however you walk and like move around is fine. Um, but like if you think of like modern drag now, like RuPaul's drag race, like how like right. these are like literally models, you know, like, um, right. and I think that she is seen as like this, uh, impetus for like elevating the level of drag to this like okay runway status like this is how we walk this is how we are instead of just like whatever we're gonna just do whatever with our hair do whatever with our walks like no we're gonna like do it um right. so yeah she was just basically there's it's so funny i love this part um she said that her own trademark was that she would just walk out in like jeans and a t-shirt was just like, Hey, this is me. And she would reach the judges. She'd pull out a white handkerchief and wipe it over her face and throw the handkerchief at the judges to show that she didn't have any makeup on. Wow. And everybody just would like the place would like light up like the audience, yes, just, like queen. cheer and like scream. Um, yeah. So like, I think finding this community was really amazing for her and she was inducted into the uh the drag ballroom hall of fame in 2001 as a legend um and so she just like found this community of like friendship and respect that she never had um and that's the thing in the modeling world even in polite society let's just say because i had a facebook post uh because you know i don't get like controversial or argumentative on facebook too much but uh, I knew this girl who was uh, a lesbian, and she had someone comment on her post about how, you know, they don't agree with her lifestyle. They think it's wrong, oh. but they still, but they still love her. And he's just like, "Well, no, you don't. If you're going to say that, because you can't acknowledge what she is, you still want to be under this assumption that it's a choice, and you know, whatever." But what people don't realize when they say and do things like that yeah. is the worst thing you can be 
is one of the worst things just about I think there are some people who are fine being loners and whatever yeah but it's human nature to want to be a part of a community it's human nature to want to belong somewhere yeah the worst thing that someone can do to you is make you feel like you don't yeah yeah and you know not every group needs to be accepted i mean you know i'm not gonna sit here and say you know white nationalists they really deserve to feel well but i mean that's i think i think that that's part of it that they are um you know i listen to a podcast because that's all i do i record podcasts and listen to them um about um yeah that that's like white nationalists go to that community because they are like hurting like Mm they're folks who are hurting who are just like i need a place to belong there's a great example of that in the movie a higher learning i don't know if you've ever seen it i haven't john singleton movie and it's about race relations on college campus and michael rapaport's first movie i ever saw michael rapaport in Hmm. played this guy who was a little awkward a little weird yeah he moves into a dorm he's a normal dude he just he's just awkward and he doesn't fit in anywhere yeah and he starts getting bullied by people of all races but I like Ice Cube is his roommate or something, is his dorm mate. Yeah. And Ice Cube is very militant. And so he kind of pushes the guy away. And the yeah. next thing you know, the guy's just sitting on the le- steps of the library by himself, reading a book. And this guy comes up to him. You don't see the guy's face yet. You just see this leg kind of enter the frame and just starts talking to him like, hey, man, what's going on? What you doing? How's things going? And then the camera like pans up and he's a skinhead. Yeah. And then the transformation of Michael Rapaport's character is the perfect example of how these groups, you know, seek out the people that don't feel like they're a part of anything. Yeah. And I'd so, so yeah, I mean, you have like a bunch of like hurt people, hurting mm-hmm. people, you know, mm-hmm. to, to get on that like sidebar about, yeah. But I, I mean, that's the same thing. They're looking for community. They're looking for a and place to belong. And what's great about her is she could have gone the route of becoming like hateful or, yeah. and, and I'm sure she had anger. Yeah. But instead, she she pulled her pants up and she went fuck this I'm gonna find a place that accepts me yeah. and, and, she, and go yeah. from there yeah and she had enough like friends and community and like she was you know trying to still do the modeling thing when she mm-hmm. first got to New York you know she had designers who would just like put their put her in shows yeah I would imagine like not everybody everybody turned yeah on. but I mean it was still like I mean you can imagine getting like a thousand dollars a day to do this Italian Vogue shoot right. to going to like my friend is letting me be in their fashion show right. Like a pity thing, and they're giving me like whatever money they can. You know, like that's you can't live off no. of that art. You know, you can't subside on that. Right. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty great that she found this community, and then this um, the article that I took a lot of the information from mm-hmm. um, in December 2015 came out um, about her life and you know her her status as like the first um, black trans model. And in 2016, in January of 2016, so shortly, like a month after this article came out, mm-hmm. Clairol announced that Tracy was going to be the face of their nice and easy color oh, as awesome. real as you are campaign. Nice um, and easy. That's my style. Nice and easy. So like, so yeah, I think that her career like has, um, you know, been reinvigorated again, you know, and she's like 65 years old now, I think. Mm-hmm. And so she's just like rocking and rolling. If, yeah, yeah, I mean, you the should, pictures like, I saw of her are very recent pictures, and I will post one on the episode yes, description. And she's, she's she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, she really is. Well, this has been amazing. Thank yeah. you so much for bringing this to the table. You're and so welcome. Letting me know yet another person that I should have heard of but never have. Also, it might not just be because she's trans, probably because I don't pay attention to modeling at all. But you know, I'm sure there's a community of people out there that know who she is and support her. But now, hopefully. There's going to be a new community of people people. listening to this. 
that celebrate her and love her. I doubt they'll be able to love her, though, as much as I love you. Aww. Aww. I'm going to cut that out. Don't you dare. Or I'm going to, like, put some sort of echo on it to make it sound evil. Oh, good. Okay, perfect. That makes so sense. this has been amazing. I love talking to you, Emily. I have, we haven't done it enough. But if anyone listening to the show wants to get in touch with you or ask you a question, how would they do that? Um, I guess they could uh, I, I email me. Unless you me? just don't want them to. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess they can email me. Um, sure, what's your email? Yeah, it's Emily, like my first name. <laughs> uh, a, as in the middle letter of my middle name, which is Amanda. Right. right. And then Grove. G-R-O-V-E, like my last name, at gmail.com. That's pretty easy to remember. It's too easy. Well, it's been an honor having you back on the show. I hope we can get you back on next season as well. Tentatively, I think next season is going to be about famous battles from history because famous I think that's a very battles. interesting interesting subject. I love, like, I'm not a fan of war, but I certainly love strategy and seeing how people employ certain things and okay. you know i saw a really interesting documentary on waterloo and the way that battle went down and it was fascinating i was gonna say the only battle i know is waterloo so i would have to probably claim that one hey, go ahead claim it no. then we'll be back to the side where we can both research and talk about it but anyway i'm just rambling at this point because i don't want to let you go <laughs> no. but i have to because i have a kid and i gotta get her from school you do and you have a life <laughs> or do i or do you more podcasts anyway Thank you so much, Emily. And again, if you want us to uh, uh, read a review, you give us a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. We'll read it on the air. And for now, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I hope you seek out more information on our subject. And again, any questions, comments, corrections, send to Lucky10,000 at Gmail, our Twitter, Lucky at Lucky underscore 10K. And Emily, I love you. I hope I'll talk to you soon. I love you too. Bye. And I hope you guys got lucky tonight. Bye. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your host, Evan. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.
was such a waste of time I stand around for hours on end waiting for your call Turns out I was lucky when you even showed it all Crack on this joyride, I think we're gonna crash We're shifting the blame, well you can kiss my ass When it comes to genius, you say you're the king So take over the world since you know everything Yeah.